You are listening to another Always Moto production. The Always Moto Podcast with your host, David Hogan. This show contains information about injuries to riders competing in AMA Supercross, AMA Motocross, MXGP, Ozpro MX, and other international moto events. The information discussed may be unsettling to some listeners. It might be incomplete or based on medical opinions due to riders tending to hide the details of their injuries. We are here to explain the information and increase injury understanding and visibility for the fans. There might be coarse language and the odd stuff up along the way. If any of this offends you, turn us off right now. I'm Brighton Carroll, riding for Team TCD, and you're listening to the Always Moto Podcast. Hi, this is Dylan Woodcock, riding for All South CMH Stunt Flying Privateer Team, whatever you want to call it. (laughs) Cheers, mate. That's right, Moto fans. I'm not a doctor. I am a physiotherapist. I'm David Hogan, the Australian Physio, and this is the Always Moto Podcast. It's episode 14. 14. We're heading for round nine of Monster Energy AMA Supercross. This week, it'll be coming to you from Daytona. Now, I don't care what all the other media places say, but I like Daytona. Daytona, from me, watching on TV, uh, obviously never being at Daytona in person. I've been at plenty of the other rounds in person, but Daytona, for me, looks cool on TV and looks different from the whole other rest of the series rounds. Uh, And that's why I just it kind of looks cool. Looks good. I like it. I'm looking forward to watching it this weekend on the TV. Um, Should be a good round. Now, this episode for the Always Moto podcast, it's a big episode this week. We've got the usual stuff coming at you. We're going to have the injury list shortly. We're going to have some fantasy talk. I'm going to do a little bit of a discussion on some concussion stuff that's come up. A little bit funny, that one, discussion on concussion. But yeah, we're going to have a little chat on the discussion. (laughs) Not this chat on the discussions. We're going to have a chat on the concussion stuff that's been going on the last few weeks. And this week, just gone from Arlington, we had a lot of concussions. So there's a bit to talk about there. Just some points that I've uh, noticed over the last few weeks that we want to just touch on a little bit. Later in the show, we've got a big interview coming your way. We've got Rock River Manluck Yamaha's Richard Taylor on for on the show. Uh, he had a great interview with us earlier this week that we're going to drop in at the end of the show. He talks about his arm injury that happened at Anaheim 3. And also, we actually originally got in touch with Richard before Anaheim 3 about some stuff that he's had done to his custom CTIs to make it so that he can race race through um, not having an ACL in one knee. Uh, And so we've actually got that chat as well. And then subsequent to that, we had some information that came out in that uh, interview about these braces for Richard 
that we re- reached out to his contact at CTI. Um, his name's Brett. Uh, and Brett was awesome enough to get back to us quickly with some email information about the braces and about whether they're available to you and whether you can do all that yourself, you know, um, have these uh, adaptions done uh, for the general public. And it was awesome for Brett to give us that information. We're going to try and get Brett on for another show in a couple of weeks' time, just specifically about CTI and about whether they are, you know, the things that they can do in these custom settings for these braces, which was, I found really interesting. My background, obviously, being physio and the anatomy side of things and injury recovery and and working around it and riding through, found it great information, uh, and I thought you guys would like it too. So we got that coming up. So like I said, big show, big show. Let's jump straight into the injury list, and oh my God, it's a pretty decent list this week. Now, I've got some interesting stats I'll quickly just tell you guys from the beginning. Um, So, so far, through eight rounds of uh, Monster Energy Supercross, we've had two injuries on press day. Now, look, one was uh, A-Ray last, or this week, with an appendix, and look, the appendix, not really injury. Um, I'm putting it on the list because it happened on the day of press day. He rode press day, he had a crash. But you could argue that it wasn't there. But look, we've had two press day injuries for training injuries. So not the, not at the races, but training midweek. We've had 33 injuries already this season. In on race day during qualifying or practice sessions, we've had 14 injuries. And during the night program, during any of the heat races, LCQs, main events, uh, or the races as they're calling them for the triple crowns, we've had 32 injuries. Uh, so quite a lot of injuries there. And and for whether they happen pre-season or in-season, uh, so 24 injuries happened before the season started and we've had 64 injuries during the season already. Uh, so if you do a quick little math there, we're just, what's that, uh, 88. We're at 88 injuries already in Monster Energy Supercross in 2022. That's a hell of a lot considering I only had 91 recorded for 2021. Uh, so for 2022, we're at 88 and we're only at round, heading into round nine. So we're not tracking very well, guys. Uh, we've had a lot of people go down with injuries this year, which is unfortunate. Uh, and look, unfortunately, we're probably going to have a few more. Uh, we've got a fair few rounds to go. So the, th- the field could thin out quite a lot more um, as we go on these next few weeks. Uh, so we'll have to keep an eye on that. But look, the injury list. The most recent injury that you're probably all interested in hearing about, and we don't have heaps of details on it. We don't know too much more than you guys probably would have seen if you've seen it on the social media posts. But Jeremy Martin, Monster Energy Star Racing Yamaha, he is out for this weekend and potentially out for Supercross. He's injured his left shoulder again. And I say again because it was the same shoulder that he injured uh, last year in Supercross, in that first opening round for him uh, at Orlando there, where he got landed on and he dislocated the shoulder. Now, obviously, he didn't have uh, any surgery for that sh- for that injury last year. He was able to rehab that uh, in what we call non in a conservative manner, so not surgically, um, but conservatively meaning just doing you know your gym based exercises, your your hands on therapy with a physio or or whatever the person might be that they use a fitness trainer those sorts of things. Um, so he didn't have surgery last year. Now he's had another crash this week training, uh, and it's led to a further issues with that left shoulder. Now. 
don't know if it's exactly the same thing. We don't know if he's dislocated again. We are hearing that it's a labral tear that's going to need some work to be done to it. Now, a labral tear, let's talk about the labrum. It's that soft cup that holds the shoulder or the upper arm, the ball, into the socket. It extends around the ball and holds it in tightly. That's, that labrum can become ripped or torn. Um, it can also become loose with multiple dislocations. Uh, and so when they repair this labrum, they can either trim up that tear site, they might stitch it back in um, and hope and give it the chance to repair, um, or they might tighten it up, as in stitch it tighter um, to try and make it so that that joint can't come out. Now, there are other ways of doing that for a dislocation side of things, and there's things like they call a latage. Uh, procedure which is where they take a piece of bone and they actually make a bony block at the front of the shoulder cup to stop the shoulder um, stop the arm bone coming out of the shoulder to prevent the dislocations um, and that's something I believe that uh, Adam Cincerulos had done on his shoulders from a few years back when he was having all those shoulder issues um, so if you guys have had that procedure done uh, it's quite successful generally it works um, the problem is if you do manage to break uh, do have a big issue, big injury, or sorry, big crash, and then you have another big injury with that shoulder um, where you manage to dislocate it. You can potentially either break that piece of bone off, or if you dislocate it, it's extremely difficult to get it back in because you've then got to go out and around that piece of bone that was meant to block it from coming out in the first instance. Now you've got to go past it to get it back in, uh, and generally that would be then a another surgical repair to even just put it back in. Um, so look, ideally they don't come out after they've had that done. Don't know if that's something that Jeremy's going to be looking at, but look, there sounds like there's going to be some sort of surgery to clean up this shoulder of his. That would tell me that we're about then eight weeks minimum uh, for him to be off the bike and recovering, potentially out to 12 weeks. Now, for anyone playing at home, we're, we're already midway through this Supercross season. Yes, the East Coast has just started, but if we talk about the Supercross season from January to, to beginning of May, we're pretty much halfway through. We don't have that many weeks until the outdoors. Now, Jeremy being the outdoor guru that he is, probably looking at that start of that series as a chance for him to really kick home some goals this year, but he's potentially going to be coming in under an injury cloud now. Um, obviously depending on the type of surgery that's needed depends on how long this recovery will be uh, and if that is a bit more extensive or when they get in there there's a bit more work to be done um, or even his just recovery afterwards goes a bit slower than they expect there's a chance that the start of this outdoor season isn't going to be as good for him as he would like um, and he might have to either miss around which would be terrible or he's just going to come in with lit limited fitness and bike time which would probably make him have you know those sort of 5 to 10 range results, maybe worse, um, which would then make him have to claw back into the series as he gets some strength and fitness back into that, if he can do that, over the length of the 12-round series for Lucas Oil Pro Motocross. So going to have to watch this space and see what actually needs to be done with, with Jeremy's shoulder. Uh, like I said, disappointing that it's the same shoulder that he injured from last year uh, and it's now causing another trouble for him. So it's, it's going to be sort of two supercross seasons in a row that have been lost to injury um, potentially due to this you know less shoulder that happened potentially to no fault of his own really in that uh, Orlando race last year so yeah we have to keep an eye on that as we go all right moving on the other big one um, from this week is Austin Faulkner now everybody will have seen those images and video of Jet Lawrence 
getting a bit sideways off that jump after he clipped the tough block. Um, anyone who couldn't see him clip that tough block, go and get your eyes checked. It's a medical opinion this there. Go and get your eyes checked. Um, but yeah, look, he hit that tough block. It sent him right. He's then obviously collided, unfortunately, with Austin Faulkner in the air. They both went down. Jet himself lucky to be, you know, injury-free after that one. He's probably going to be sore, but lucky to be injury-free and got back up and able to keep going. Austin, unfortunately, not so lucky. He's landed on his um, shoulder, which for anyone that knows anything, that's basically going to transfer that load straight to the collarbone. The collarbones are designed in the human body to be basically like the uh, wishbone in a chicken and just snap under that sort of load so that it protects the rest of the structures around there. It's meant to be the 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 point that the force escapes. Um, but unfortunately for Austin, and this is sort of similar to Jeremy, last year in Supercross, Austin broke a collarbone. Happens to be the same one that he's landed on this time around. Now, last year he had it blated uh, to re- assist that recovery process, which it did, which is fantastic. But the issue with these sorts of surgeries that these guys go through where they get them screwed and plated back together, not just for collarbones, but for any place that they do these sorts of plating and screws, is that when you have another issue where you land on that same part of the body, there's now a plate in place. Now, that can work one of two ways. It can either help you because it's stronger and you can just take the impact and you get up and keep going. Or there's the flip side of that and you either break around the plate or you bend the plate. And bending the plate is not ideal. Uh, It basically then has to be removed, um, which means surgery. They generally have to break the bone to get it out. Um, And then you have to then replate this thing, uh, this bone uh, with a new plate because you can't reuse the bent one. Um, And then they're trying to find new holes or new locations to put the screws into because you can't put the screw back in the existing hole because that would cause it to loosen and generally fall out um as it is common for things for screws to be to back out or or wriggle out and you end up feeling the screw heads coming proud or pronouncing themselves out of the out of the tissue there and you can actually feel them had that in the clinic before with a couple of guys where i've actually gone oh look that's a phillips head right there as you're rubbing through their uh, skin on a certain part of the body and it's not cool for them because it means it means definitely there's another surgery coming shortly after you've discovered that so Look, we don't know whether what Austin is able to do here. We don't know the extent of the fractures. Obviously, we haven't seen the x-rays firsthand. So we're just going off the information that we've been able to get. Whether he needs to get that plate removed and then a new one inserted, we're not sure. But again, watch this space. There'll be more information about this. But that's generally going to be the end of Austin's Supercross season as well. Um, he should be, even with a, if he does have to do a replate, like removal, replate it, um, he should be fine by the time outdoors rolls around. Um, but it would be sort of a, at least six, probably towards eight weeks that he's going to be modified uh, activities in terms of you know upper body use. Um, so he'll be able to stationary cycle and all those sorts of good things, but he's not going to be on the bike for at least six weeks, probably more like eight now, moving down the list, we've got RJ Hampshire. Everyone saw that little incident over the over bridge, over under bridge there um, in one of the races there for the Triple Crown. Managed to tag the back of Phil, Phil Nicoletti's um, bike there and just basically fall out of the sky was what it looked like um, and land on his head. Out cold, spread eagle on the track. And this is where my concussions talk starts really to kick in, but we'll get to it in a minute. But he has managed to clear himself, uh, clear the concussion protocol 
um, and he should be available for Daytona. But look, he's potentially going to be a little bit off the off kilter, maybe a step behind where he'd normally be. But um, he could be completely fine as well. But look, keep an eye on how he progresses through the day at Daytona. But yes, he did have that concussion at Arlington. Levi Kitchen, another rider to have a concussion. Uh, it seemed to be only a concussion initially when this report first came out beginning of the week. I reported on that myself. Uh, if you keep check on our Instagram, it's always.moto. Um, we only had the concussion there. <clears throat> Excuse me. But uh, it comes out later in the week that he's actually fractured his kneecap as well as the top of his tibia. So that's going to spell the end of his Supercross season as well. The fractured kneecap is something that he'd probably be able to come back from in a couple of couple of weeks you know say four-ish because um, it's only a small bone it should repair itself reasonably well um, but the top of the tibia fracture again depending on where it's fractured if it's complete you know displaced non-displaced it would affect how long this would take but i dare say that's going to make this recovery time frame be more like a six-week recovery due to the two bones being uh, needing repair by the body so it'll slow the body's processes a little uh, and just given that he's going to miss that much time he's probably best just to be sitting out. And that's if you look back at the history of how these things go with guys on factory teams when they have these, you know, injuries that could be back in time, but, you know, potentially not quite ready, they tend to leave them sit on the sidelines until that uh, start of the next season or series, I should say, so that they are fully fit and healthy for that next series start point. No point trying to race back cause more issues and then they're, they're carrying that injury for a longer period of time than they need to so i dare say that's what will happen for levi but uh watch this space he might be back in a few weeks time but like i said it's probably an eight week uh sorry a six to eight week sort of time frame before he's back and racing cody shock on that phoenix racing honda um has managed to have another crash at arlington i say another but he, he was banged up from early before the season started um he's managed to bruise a lung He's got a hematoma on his right shoulder and he's got a swollen knee. Now, there's no specific issues as such there. Like all of those things are bruising and swellings. There's no broken bones uh, that we know of. There's no torn ligaments that we know of. Um, but it's unclear how he's coping and what's caused the swelling in the knee, whether it is just an impact thing and it's bruising, whether there is like he's torn a, you know, torn a ligament or something along those lines that's caused his swelling and the need for him to, when he was checked out of the hospital, he was wear, he's seen wearing a knee brace just to help support that leg. So we'll have to see how he goes. It's, it's, he's potentially out for Daytona um, and maybe another round or so, but We'll have to see how that goes and whether he goes and gets some further checks done. We always say that those first initial x-rays at emergency department rooms are a bit hit and miss for these guys, particularly if there's swelling in the area because the swelling makes it hard for the x-ray to uh, pick up the clear pick up cl structures clearly. Um, and some of these doctors in the ER are obviously uh, under the pump and don't have time to completely review the x-ray as well as they probably would like. And so when there's nothing obvious, they're not spending extra time to look for those little tidbits that we send, tend to then find out a week or two later by these guys when things aren't quite progressing as well as they want and they go and see a local specialist and they get that MRI, which is obviously the highest quality image for them. And they find these other you know minor problems that are actually going to keep them out for a bit longer so hopefully that's not the case for cody um but we'll have to see how he goes hopefully he can be back for the race after daytona for round 10 but we'll see how that all works out 
Another couple of concussions here, guys. We've got Rami Alves, number 70. He's a privateer KTM. He had a concussion at Daytona. He's hoping to be... Oh, sorry. Concussion at Arlington. He's hoping to be back for Daytona. Preston Kilroy on that Barak Suzuki. He had a concussion in the early... Uh, in the day program. Uh, he sat out the night program. He should be back for Daytona as well. Both of those guys and the couple that we mentioned before that were the concussions. These are all pending passing concussion protocol, which we'll talk about in a sec. And then Adam Entignap, poured seven deuce deuce. Uh, he's had a crash in the qualifying section of the day. Uh, he managed to break his C7 vertebra. Now, the team update was that he's going to be back in four to six weeks. Now, that indicates to me, and we don't have confirmation of this, they haven't responded as such, but uh, it indicates to me that he's then only broken a minor or non-critical area of that vertebrae. So the C7 vertebrae is the base of your neck. It's the first one that you is just above your, your shoulder line there. If you actually feel the back of your neck, there's a bit of a lump at the bottom there just before you get to sort of between your shoulder blades. That lump is the, is the spinous process of your C7. So that's the level that he's broken. And... It being non-critical, I would say he's either broken that spinous process off the body of it or he's broken one of the wings that stick out sideways, um, which is called your transverse processes. And those aren't critical because they're just providing attachment for muscles to those, to those vertebra to allow the movement of the neck. Uh, which, look, it's still important, but uh, it's only a minor part. It's not the section that is housing the spinal cord, and that's why we're calling it non-critical. Um, so it sounds like he should be okay. Being it's a small bone, the four weeks is possible. And so long as he doesn't have any other issues and it's not non-displaced, it should be a, shouldn't be a drama, and we should see him back um, towards the end of the series. Last one from this round uh, for Arlington was RJ Wageman. He's a privateer on a Yamaha. Um, he is. Uh, uh, oops, we're just changing the number here on our t text here. Um, so he actually has broken his arm. Now, no details on what he's broken at this stage, but there's a cool video of him a little bit high or coming off those pain medications while he's in the emergency room. So check that out on his Instagram. Uh, but we'll get some more information about him. And But he's probably out for at least six weeks, potentially longer. So it might be the end of Supercross for, for RJ, unfortunately. Interesting one on press day as well. It was Alex Ray. He had a little crash on press day, copped the handlebars in their guts from what the reports are, um, and then somehow managed to later in that night have an issue with his appendix where his appendix burst. Now, I don't think the two are linked. I dare say that the appendix was having issues a lot all along, and then maybe this just um, caused some other irritations to areas nearby uh, and made him pay attention to it. But yeah, he's had that appendix removed after on that night of or the next morning of. Um, after press day there and he's probably out for a week to two another one that we've seen midweek um it was actually before arlington isaiah clark a privateer on a yamaha has broken his ankle he's had it uh, surgically repaired he's had plates and screws inserted he's potentially out for eight weeks i dare say he won't be back until outdoors as well uh, so that's the injury list for this week um a lot like i said a lot going on there a lot going on there but let's jump into that discussion on concussions now we had four concussions recorded here uh in this injury list so we had uh rami owls preston kilroy uh who else we have levi kitchen and rj hampshire now potentially there should be five on this this list because there was a red flag in qualifying for pierce brown when he hit the deck as well uh, and he was laid out for quite some time as well. 
but somehow he managed to pass the concussion protocol uh, and be back for that nighttime program. And as we all saw, he was in those um, races for the Triple Crown there at Arlington. Now, I'm not sure how that occurs. For There there's, has to be some sort of uh, rule that if a red flag or red cross or red flag is thrown for you and you're laid out on the floor from a head impact that you can't ride that night. Um, I, and I don't know, look, he might have passed those things perfectly fine. Um, there might have been no issues. We're not there on the track. We don't know for sure. But I think there needs to be a little bit more visibility on these things, as in the AMA putting out a report after after each round about the people, you know, passing these protocols and how, how and why these things were, you know, judged the way they were as in um, that there was no issue with, with, um, with Pierce's assessment and he was able to ride straight away. Um, or that he was taken back off the track. He was seen to be having some symptoms, but when he did the impact concussion test online, uh, he was seen to be, he was determined to be cleared. It'd just be nice to know that they actually put him through those tests, not just that he's laying on the track one minute and he's back riding on the track you know, for the next session. It just doesn't seem to make too much sense. The other one that doesn't make too much sense is RJ Hampshire. Kind of a similar situation. Uh, he's laying there spread eagle on the track mid one of those races for the Triple Crown. And then the next update we get from him is only a day or so later that he's already been cleared of the concussion protocol uh, and he's fined the race Daytona. Now, my understanding of the concussion protocol is that once you have a concussion listed which he clearly did, from my opinion, watching this in this crash and seeing his eyes when they, they showed him sitting on that tough block, you could see his eyes and he was not there. How is it that he clears that concussion protocol? I don't know. But like I said, he there's then the process that once you're on that protocol, you have a five-day return to riding program that has to be, be followed as per the AMA guidelines. It's meant to be a supervised program. And you're not supposed to be able to ride your moto until day four and five. And each stage must take a minimum of 24 hours. Now, I think we've spoken about this on this podcast previously. Uh, and look, guys, if I'm covering the same stuff, I'm sorry, but I feel like I need to do it again because it doesn't seem like it's uh, changing at all. There's something going on here that I'm, I'm missing. And, and I'm trying to find out more. I've been reaching out to these uh, AMA officials and that to try and get some more information on this. But... I just don't understand how RJ is already cleared on a Saturday night ready to race Daytona when he was clearly concussed and hasn't taken part in that five-stage protocol. Surely, just as a safety measure, he can take part in that protocol and get passed to do Daytona when he turns up like he's supposed to do on the Saturday morning before the race, um, doing the impact test and re-evaluation there and then. Big whoop if he can't train properly or normally how he normally would between the race. Let's take a little bit of precaution with this these guys' head injuries. Make him do the protocol and just let him check him out that way. He'll probably actually do better in the long run because he's had a little bit of a rest week. Um, so, look, it's just a little bugbear I've got at the moment. I just don't understand what they're doing with it from my health side of allied health side of things looking at it just doesn't seem right um and i think there needs to be a little bit more done and i you know like i said I, i'll i'll bring you more information once i have it uh, and i'm hoping that a few of these guys will get back to me shortly and fill me in on a bit more of what's happening there so that we can make it a bit more obvious as to why these guys are seeming to fly through the uh protocol without too much issue 
All right, guys, let's move on to some uh, lighter talk. Um, let's jump into the fantasy talk here. Now, the Always Moto Fantasy League on the Pulp MX Fantasy channel uh, and, and uh, league. Uh, we've got the Always Moto League going. We've got a few of you guys are cranking along in there and do, scoring some pretty good results, to be honest. Um, and so far, look, I'm not doing as well as I'd like in this usual fantasy talk for the one that's running this show. I'm, I'm languishing down in 15th. But surprisingly to me, I feel like I'm still doing okay. I've managed to make make it an effort this year to be eight in the main. Uh, and I'm averaging about 220 points around, which isn't all that bad. It just seems like everybody else is doing a lot better this year. So maybe they're making, they're obviously making better picks than me. Um, but I'm still playing a little bit safe on some of these things. So I might have to hit the send button a bit harder this week uh, on some of these uh, picks. But I have put out an early team. You might have seen it on Instagram already. Uh, I've put out a conservative early team just so I've got something picked uh, and we'll see if they stay on there um, stay on there once we see some of those qualifying times <coughs> excuse me um, coming through uh, on Saturday or Sunday Australian time so the leader for the always moto fantasy league at this point in time after uh, nine rounds oh sorry eight rounds is scrub and MBW and I every time now that I know what the MBW is, Gives me a little giggle every time. Thanks for that, Scrubbin. Uh, we've got Jack Youngblood. He's dropped out of the lead. He's lost a couple of points there, but he's still in second. MX Goat is running third. GMC 230 is fourth. And MX Nut 23, he's in fifth. A uh, couple of honorable mentions. Um, Hayden Wolf in sixth. Santa Quad in seventh. TJ from Moto X Pod Show is number in eighth. Uh, where else is my list? Ah, Ben Grinley. He's in 14th. He's just in front of me. Damn it. Uh, um, motorbike medic in 17th pup 275 he's our false neutral industries contact who's providing the sunglasses and hat for our second and third prizes he's in 19th aaron from full noise is in 20th uh so my full noise contact my, my mate there who we pop out these injury the, the emergency departments on the on their website he's rocking it in 20th Three laps down, Clinton uh, is in 22nd. Uh, I mentioned, uh, I messaged him last week to see what's going on. He's a stats man. He should know all the answers on these, uh, these picks from past history. And I said to him, what's up with these scores you're getting, mate? And he goes, oh, I'm just sending it, trying to win the round. And so far, it's not working out so well for him, it seems. And look, bringing up the last one, it's our man from Goat Brand MX, the one that's putting out the first place prize for us of those knee brace socks. It's Nath, he's in 27th. Mate, you've got to pull your finger out and just pick a couple of uh, safe picks, I think, for a couple of rounds to try and claw your way back into this one. But look, guys, thanks for playing. It's been awesome fun. Keep participating in it. Keep putting up your teams on your Instagram stories. Tag us. Uh, always moto on instagram tag the guys that are supporting it with the prizes so that's goat brand mx that's false uh, false neutral industries um on on instagram tag those guys put up the story on the on put it up on your story we'll share it around we'll try and get some more people into it for outdoors and that would be uh, an awesome little thing if we get some more prizes going for it too so we'll see how it all works out but thanks for playing guys it's been uh, a lot of fun all right, we're going to move into... Now, look, this list has been long today. We've already got... We're almost uh, 30 minutes into the pod. Uh, we haven't really gotten too far yet with the... In, we haven't even started the interview. Now, we've got a nice long interview here with Rock River, Yamaha's, Manlux, um, Richard Taylor. He's number 141 
on that Yamaha there for the Rock River guys. Um, he's been doing pretty well this season, but he's had had a lot of injuries, and, and you'll hear that in the interview about his knees that he's had issues with uh, for the last few years. Uh, and he's starting to work his way back into form, but unfortunately he's managed to break his arm at A3. He's been riding that West Coast there, so but he's hoping to be back uh, in time for a couple of these West Coast rounds towards the end of the season. Uh, but look, it's a great interview, so listen up. Uh, he does talk about those CTI braces, and when we come back after the interview, I'm going to run through some information that I've been able to get from his contact at CTI. His name's Brett. Uh, he was fantastic with passing on some info about the braces uh, that we'll run through once we're back. So listen up to the interview, guys. It's uh, pretty cool info here. So hang around. Keep keep listening. All right, guys and girls, we're here on the Always Moto podcast. Uh, we've got another guest joining us this week. Uh, this week, it's Richard Taylor. He's number 141 on the Rock River Man Luck Yamaha. We originally got in touch with Richard to do a little um, talk on his knee braces, but um, unfortunately, just that week that we were talking, he had an, uh, had a crash at Anaheim 3, ended up with an injury. So it's sort of a two-part story, this one that we're going to run through today. So welcome on board, Richard. Thanks for coming on, mate. Yeah, no, thanks for having me on. Awesome. Yeah, look, it was it was kind of bad, good and bad timing. I always, whenever I contact people about stuff, I always think, you know, usually it's after the injury and they probably don't want to talk to me. But, you know, then I always wondered if I'd sort of get started called like a grim reaper or something coming around and talking to people before an injury occurs. And it sort of seems like that's <laughs> where it's gone for you. <laughs> yeah, no, unfortunately, yeah, I had that injury there. Um, but or, yeah, I mean, it's all right. We can talk about it. I feel like it's good for other people who might have had the same injury uh, just to hear about what it's like, what they should do and things. So I'm totally cool talking about it. Yeah, nice. And that's look, that's sort of what we try and do here with the Always Moto podcast and, and the injury information. It's, it's one like we run through the, the injury lists each week from from each round so that, you know, the the public, you know, sort of know what's happening to their their favorite riders. But we also try and, you know, have these little chats with some of you guys that have got the injury to sort of find out what you're going through. So you, the, the, you know, the fans can understand that you guys are pretty tough. You're putting up with a lot of stuff and going through all these medical procedures to just get back out on track. And it's, it's just nice to hear from you guys too, because otherwise there might be a, a long period that you will go without anyone hearing from you really when you can be injured for so long for some cases. So. Yeah, definitely. I've definitely had my fair share of uh, long, lengthy injuries that are really not fun and in this sport i feel like if you're not out there everyone kind of just like you said they forget about you so uh always it's always good having uh exposure as much as i can get and i appreciate being on and yeah i feel like a lot of guys ride through a lot of injuries too that people never even know about like i feel like most of the guys out there like 90 percent, are dealing with something but i just feel like a lot just don't really know about it yeah, they definitely would be, especially like once you sort of go past sort of four weeks into the season, it, everyone's got some sort of bump or bruise that they're they're carrying. Like you, it'd be a pretty uncommon rider that hasn't had at least one crash, whether that's at the race day or in training during the week. You know, they it's pretty hard to get away with it for that long without having something happen. Yeah, it's almost a whole year. We barely get an off season with Supercross and Motocross. Really, like to go a whole year without being hurt at all in any way like yeah that sounds pretty rare 
It would be very rare. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's let's jump into to your injury at Anaheim three there. So um, first time qualifying, you said. What what happened? What was the crash like that got led to this? Yeah. So uh, whoop section. Uh, that was that treacherous Anaheim three whoop section that took <laughs> out about half the two fifty field in the yep. main event there. Yep. Uh, it got me in the morning. I was probably one of the first guys to go down, and I would say I don't know, but. It was my first uh, first week in A practice, and that was really cool. Um, had a really good feeling going into the weekend. Really good vibes for me. Um, felt really good during the week. Felt felt good going into the race. I had made the main the week before um, the Anaheim race. Before it was a surprise to me. I got there and they said you're in A practice, and you know that's huge for a guy like me. Um, to be around all those really good guys in the practice. Um, yep. It's really good to try and jump in behind guys and follow them. So that, that wasn't uh, what that threw you off, was it? And caused you to get, you know, feel like you're going faster or something, you know, being with the A guys. No, 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 no. I don't think, I don't think so because I was actually riding really well. I put down some really good laps uh, yep. in that session and I, I finished the session. I had, I'd gotten like one or two clean laps in. And then that third lap was when I went down and I still finished the session 17th out of everybody in the 250 class. So yeah, nice. That's pretty pretty uh, good. That considering was, where you've been qualifying like earlier in the season, that'd be the best one, wouldn't it? Yeah, it was. And uh, it was. I think it be it was because everyone around me was really good. I was able to watch good guys, try and follow good guys, see the lines, and feel like I belonged. I was in the A practice. That so was like, okay, it's time to go fast. You know. Yeah, nice. uh, I didn't feel like I was riding over my head or anything. Um, so getting to the crash, uh, that whoop section was really gnarly. We had a double into it. So you came in with a lot of speed and then the whoops weren't forgiving. Even though you had more speed, usually like a, a section like Oakland maybe, where there's a double into the whoop section, the whoops are usually a little more forgiving just because you have that entry speed and you get across them. Yep. Um, Anaheim, they were still really gnarly. They were really V'd at the bottom really deep they were super long there were like 14 or 15 of them and uh i think i know exactly what kind of happened so the two times i had hit them before that practice they were getting pretty slippery towards the end mm -hmm. and i was shifting my weight just a little more over the back to try and drive yep yeah off the whoop better not spin so much and really get the drive off each whoop um and that one particular time I had just, it was about 10 whoops in. So we're pretty deep in. I just shifted my weight back just a little too much. And, uh, I have video of it. My, my front wheel just grazes one of them and misses mm -hmm. and drops in. Yep. And they were so V'd at the bottom and, you know, we're coming in with more speed because we got a double. So I had speed and dropped into the really V'd bottom and it just threw my weight forward. Um, I think I could have saved it, but I just, it just went, went about the wrong way and the bike bounced out to the side. And the way I fell, I, I went arms straight into the very bottom, like the steepest yep. part of the next whoop. Yep. And yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, slammed down to the bottom. I felt a pop in my, uh, I thought I felt a pop, but I don't think I did. My, I think it was my knee because I don't have an ACL and I, that <laughs> kind of, that swelled up on me too. Bugger. So yep. I think that was my knee, but yeah, I knocked the wind out of myself. I was laying there for a minute. Couldn't breathe. Uh, the Alpine star medical crew took care of me and 
really the pain, once I got up and got to the mule, it wasn't horrible. I was almost like, man, can I maybe sitting on the mule? I was thinking to myself, like, maybe I can get back to the bike maybe. And then yep. when I tried to turn, tried to turn my, uh, my, my hand, like if you can imagine, like if you're doing a, like having a thumbs up in your hand, yep. I wanted to like turn a doorknob to the right. Yep. Like I yep. couldn't, I couldn't rotate it at all. And I'm like, uh oh, that's not good. Yeah, so, that's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the um supination and pronation movement. Uh, so my physio background kicking in there with the proper terms. But yeah, that's what that door opening position and and for the the fracture that you then said that you get um from that crash. Yeah, that's exactly that movement that you would not like at all. So no, <laughs> straight away yeah. that's telling you no go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, all so good. They, so uh, so where yeah, medical they, crew x-ray you guys? I, I've been hearing a lot of people with the Alpine Stars guys. Obviously, they've got the x-ray on board, but it seems to be a little bit of a, a less powerful x-ray machine than you, you get at the emergency rooms and stuff. So did they pick it up straight away on, the, on that one for you? Yeah, so they, they pulled me into the, to the rig there. Um, and uh, Dr. Ryman, who I actually had worked with it in the past, I unfortunately had to be in there before for my knee. <laughs> yep. uh, <laughs> uh, I saw him again. Uh, he's awesome. Uh, and yeah, that, that's like a little, uh, a little cart x-ray thing machine. Uh, he did a bunch of, he did a series of tests with my elbow, with my wrist, um, feeling around, I think just to see if I had any, um, they thought I might've had some ligament damage. Okay, um, yeah. They weren't sure. And then, they yeah, x-rayed all around and everything was looking good. Um, we actually, there was nothing bad. And then the very last position, it <laughs> surprised him and it popped up right on the screen, right in front of me. And you could see my radius was clean break right in the middle. It wasn't yeah. super displaced, but it yep. was definitely a clean break. Mm, so they okay. said it was a Galeazzi fracture yep. and that surgery was going to be required because the, fra- the way the fracture was, if I would have just left it, my joint becomes unstable. Yeah, that's the problem. So for adults, yeah, it's basically it has to be a surgical repair for that one. You can't just cast it because it, yeah, the, you won't be able to then do that that door opening movement anymore. Um, it basically stuffs that. So yeah, it's um, you kind of have to go and get <laughs> surgery, which is unfortunate. Yeah, uh, and I I definitely need that. So I uh, yeah, I went to a specialist when I got home. Um, at a hospital uh, that I, or, uh, you know, just a specialist office that I was familiar with. I went to them. Uh, they were actually able to get me in surgery really fast. So I had crashed that Saturday at Anaheim and I was in surgery and done on Thursday. Um, and uh, yeah, they, they plated my radius. And mm-hmm. then he actually, there was no elbow ligament damage. That's what the uh, Alpine star people originally thought. Maybe there was yeah. a little bit of elbow, but there actually wasn't. There was, it was uh, my wrist, um, not horribly, but they just, when I woke up from surgery, they just pinned my wrist and actually a week from tomorrow, I'm going to get, I'm in a splint. So they're going to pull the splint off. I'm, they're going to pull the pins out of my wrist. And then uh, hopefully I can start, you know, getting back to normal from there because i'm in a splint right now yeah right so they actually did some other work that you probably weren't expecting when you went in for the surgery initially yeah no i didn't know he mentioned to me that there was a chance they they were gonna look at my uh some stuff in my wrist just like ligament wise and yeah when i woke up it was pinned but he said it really wasn't that 
I mean, it's not that big of a setback. They're just pinning it for the two weeks, so then they'll just pull them out. Yeah, the so. pins in that area, because it's such a small area, you can get the pins in and out reasonably quickly. And and like for, for two weeks, it's not really going to make too much difference to you for the repair. Like the, the bone itself with, this, with the plate is still probably four weeks before you're allowed to really do anything anyway. So two weeks and like a little bit of stiff wrist for that couple of weeks, not that big of an issue really. Yeah, I, I really don't like I've never done. Well, I guess I have. I've broken my arms before, but it was a long time ago. I was little. Uh, I have. Surgeries and things, but this is my first kind of upper body surgery thing. So it, it's kind of new to me. So yeah. <laughs> hopefully you don't. Um, hopefully you don't have to have too many more upper limb surgeries or any surgeries for that matter. But I dare say you probably, when we get to that conversation about your knee braces, you probably got something planned for there later in life. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll see. So what have they? Uh, not though. Yeah, hopefully not. So what? What's the plan then? Have they given you? a time frame other than obviously getting that those those pins out of the wrist have they given you a time frame that says all right you're going to be able to have be out of the any brace or cast you know at this time and then you, we expect you to be able to do normal activities at this time anything like that for you so before surgery i talked to the surgeon and had uh, a few questions like that i asked him i was um I was surprised. So I, I got surgery and my post-op appointment isn't until March 8th, which is almost three weeks after surgery. So I was kind of a little bummed. Yeah, I was a little, little, I mean, a little bummed at the fact that I just felt like I should have known more. Like I trust the doctor and I, I'm sure he did a good job, but I had to call quite a few times because I had questions and they didn't really let me know ahead of time. So, uh, I asked the doctor before, before surgery, one of the things I asked him was, uh, recovery wise, like when I go see you guys in almost three weeks from this and I go in there, what's, what's going to be nice and solid. Um, and everything goes to plan. I can get out of this, um, splint I'm in and it's basically a cast. I can't take it off, but it's not like an all the way cast. Yeah. Um, I can get out of this splint I've been stuck in and uh, not have to wear anything and start working on some, you know, rehab stuff. Uh, so that'd be really good. I or cast or something like that. I'm really hoping I can get out of all this stuff and just start working on strengthening and getting everything back to normal after that point. Um, yeah like i did like that's a bit it's a bit disappointing on from my side because like normally when you when you do those sorts of surgeries it's like at least it's only sort of 10 days after the surgery that they want to see you again to make sure that you know those little little things like the wound isn't infected and and talk through what you can now start doing but three weeks seems like a long time you might sure he wasn't just taking a couple of weeks a week off or something there and that's why he couldn't see you like it seems like a long time so (laughs) Yeah, I couldn't believe it either. Like, I, that's what I was kind of talking to my parents about. Like, I was like, you know, because I had some things like I wasn't expecting kind of happen. Like, I started getting some nerve pain through my hand yeah. pretty bad uh, the last the last week or so. So the, the first few days after surgery, I was like pretty good just dealing with the normal surgery pains, whatever. And then all of a sudden I started getting this nerve pain and it was like, felt like someone was electrocuting like my, the top mm. of my hand, like it yeah. sucked. It was really bad for a few <laughs> days. 
So I was calling like the doctor, like, Hey, like no one told me like, is this okay? And they're like, no, no, it's normal. It's normal. And I'm like, well, I wish someone would have told me that beforehand. So I'm not <laughs> freaking out when I first start feeling it, you know? Exactly. So, uh, you can stay calm like, if, if you yeah. know, like, yeah, it's pain in the ass, but anyway, so yeah, sorry, keep going. <laughs> yeah. So since that nerve pain, it actually has really subsided the last day or so. Like it's gotten okay. a lot better. I was kind of getting a little weird about it because like, you know, it, it, like the, I was describing it, like at the top of my hand was like burning. My arm was in certain positions or movements or things like if I wasn't really careful with my arm movements and really careful with where I was, what I was doing and where I was moving, like it would light up and it would hurt really bad for like a few seconds and then I would move my hand away and it would stop, you know? So mm. it was oh. like confusing to me. Like, I didn't know if I've never felt that before. So, but now it's gotten a lot better. So, yeah, as long as that's not still there, cause that's, yeah, that's a bit concerning, isn't it at the time, but um, hopefully um, at least when they take those pins out too of your wrist, you'll be able to, to move all the way around and um, start checking it sort of thing yourself to make sure it's all good. Then you can really press them for the questions if you need to, but um yeah, look, hopefully, um, hopefully that follow-up date, like too, when you said, like when they take that splint off, you should be able to stay out of the splint. Like the the plate on your on your bone is holding it stable, so you don't need you know anything else now, sort of thing. To you know, it's not like it's a uh, just been casted and it's got to stay in there for six weeks, like they always say for bones. You've got the plate holding you together, so hopefully you can start doing normal movements and stuff. At least, you know, swimming or or some light rehab exercises and stuff too. Like it should be, should be fine, but you have to obviously wait and see what they say. But yeah. Yeah. I'm hoping so. Oh, I have you like telling me that. And then my girlfriend actually went to, is, was going to school for athletic training. So she knows a lot of stuff too. And she's been telling me things that are helpful. So, you know, getting the info, I was a little disappointed not getting it from the doctor, but I've got some people who are, you know, helping me along and, I'm really hoping when I get back in there, I can, uh, you know, start the re. Trying to explain like what I do, trying to explain I'm a professional at what I do and I need to be back and just, you know. Uh, like in two in two months from the injury. And that's, that was sooner than I thought he would say, you know, you, I was thinking he was going to say a long time. So he almost kind of hinted at me like, well, after a month after surgery, uh, you should have basic mobility and be able to do most things. So, you know, that's, that's good hearing from a real doctor. So yeah, like, who was well, saying that stuff to me, who's going to do the surgery. It, it is always hard. Like you mentioned that bit about like, you know, trying to explain that you're a professional athlete and, you know, you, you need to be able to do these things as quickly as possible. They don't always, depending on obviously who you end up seeing, like some guys are, uh, some of the, the surgeons are like, you know, specialist sports physician type, type people. But yeah, depending on who you see, they could just be the ones that do this sort of surgery just, you know, for the general population and don't really care that you are a professional athlete and need to hurry up and get back sort of thing so yeah it's always a always a funny conversation when you drop that one on people that <laughs> can this be as quick as yeah. possible sort of thing <laughs> yeah yeah exactly and i think now that i'm in stadiums racing real supercross and i can show them the video they're like oh you're in angel stadium you know in front of a crowd <laughs> like i mean it, i think it just helps get the message across a little more than like 
just racing uh, you know <laughs> local it gives, stuff, you, so. gives you a little bit of a uh, v- validity there yeah <laughs> i'm on tv yeah today. exactly <laughs> <laughs> uh, all good well yeah look hopefully that bit works out and they can get you back so have you got a plan for like a you know if, if everything goes well and you're sort of two months you got a plan for like first race or something you're trying to aim to get back to yeah so um so i'm kind of I don't exactly know which one is going to, what I'm going to try and commit to doing. Um, I'm 100% doing all of the outdoor nationals on a 450 for the oh, same cool. team I'm on now. Yeah. Nice. Yes. So I will be back at all the outdoors. Um, and then just depending on how this is going, how I'm feeling. Those are the, uh, I should have time. Like if I, I forgot what the date is on those. Um, um, I have to look, but they're the very last two. And I, I thought, I think I can maybe make those depending on how much riding time I get before them. Oh, the, yeah. So, so Denver and Colorado. So Denver is April 30 and um, Salt Lake is uh, May 7. They're the last two rounds. So you got sort of small hopes of those, haven't we? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to act like I'm going to do them. <laughs> pretend like I, I am training wise and then we'll see where i'm at at that point but yeah that's fair yeah yeah, yeah no that's, that's probably a good plan like it's nice to have some sort of you know target so it just sort of keeps you on track because otherwise you can get a little bit complacent with um with the rehab and the and the you know getting back to the normal training you might not push as hard so yeah it's um it's good to have a like a date in mind with when you're setting these setting up this recovery sort of time so yeah it's good yeah for sure well, let's um let's switch switch on to the conversation we'll we'll probably meant to just have not not with the injury side of things when we started talking talking a couple of weeks back. So you've had some issues in the past with ACLs, and then uh, well, I, I, reason I contacted you initially, I, I heard you talking on um on uh, the pulp. Uh, it was the uh, Privateer Island podcast, and you were mentioning about some custom knee braces, and it sort of perked my ears up to think, well, hold on what have you done that, to make these, you know, custom? Cause obviously CDIs are generally custom cause you measure them just for, you know, for each individual person, but you made it sound like there was a lot more going on there. And, and then since when we've chatted a little bit about this, there is a lot more to them um, for yourself than just the normal, normal sort of off the, off the shelf, you know, get a custom measure of your leg sort of job done. Uh, and you mentioned that, that might be partly because you're a CTI athlete and you've probably got a few extra doors open there to try and help you out. But um but yeah, so these knee braces of yours sound like they're a pretty um, high-tech bit of gear. Yeah, uh, Brett Garen at CTI, he's he was helping my dad back, you know, back when my dad was racing back in the day, and he was nice enough when I did my first ACL in 2017. Uh, we were able to, he was able to help me out and get me a custom pair, and uh, just having them custom made for the leg and everything. Uh, like back then they were just standard custom ones and just having it, it felt, it's such a better fit for me and it made me feel so much more safe. So I, I've been running those uh, ever since 2017. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately I've had, yeah, I've had a, too many ACL injuries. I've, <laughs> I've had my first one was 17 on my left leg. That one was perfect. Um, it's been perfect. Knock on wood the whole time. Yeah. Then, um, in 2019, getting ready for Supercross, my foot slipped off in a whoop section, uh, caught the copy. 
ground, kind of like the Forkner crash a few years ago when he was leading the points in Torres yeah, ACL. Yeah, yeah. Your, his, the foot, yeah, the foot will just slip off the foot peg uh, in a whoop section and will go straight down. Not even necessarily a crash, but just the impact of slamming the ground really hard like that. It popped my knee. Uh, I had to get that fixed. Got it fixed exact same way on the right side this time. Yeah. Um, came back from that and um and i uh paula national 2020 uh was my best ever was running the best ever i had run in a national in the 450 class i was in 14th about halfway through the race and uh was pushing through some turning rollers and the rear slipped out on me caught my foot on the ground re-popped that acl and then got it fixed again yeah and he was getting ready for Supercross last year, uh, and same thing. Foot slipped off in a whoop, popped that one. And at that point, that was – what is that? One, two, three, three four ACLs. You have a three on yeah, the one three, <laughs> three surgeries, but four ACLs like that, have, that I had messed up. So I had gone Jeez. back to my doctor, my surgeon. Uh, he's a really good, like, surgeon. Like, I, I know he is. Like, he's he's – dr mandelbaum he's he's really big out of santa barbara and yeah he's does tons of people tons of athletes um he's legit but i went back to him and he was kind of just like hey listen man like i can fix your knee again but you're gonna have to wait an entire year before you ride ride again because we would have to use a cadaver this time because we've used up your quad tendon we've used up your patella tendon like (laughs) And we need to use a cadaver and we, we, you'd have to wait, like you'd have to wait the whole time because you're going to tear it again. And he's like, or you can get some, try and get some braces made, really try and rehab it and see if you can function without it. So I was like, this first, at least I'll try. So did lots of rehab, rehab on the leg, rehab on the knee really tried to strengthen everything around it. I then went to CTI and um, they had some info on Dean Wilson's experimented with a lot of stuff. Uh, um, And then with them working with me, we've messed with more stuff too. And um, so we put, they have an ACL cable on on the brace now. So it's uh, a cable that one of the straps that goes behind my leg, I pull it and the tighter I pull it. It's just to add a little bit of pressure there. Cause if, if your knee is going to pop out, it's going to go forward like that. Mm. And then, um, and they also lengthened the braces just to get a little more leverage on my leg. Yeah. Um, and then also we have an extra strap um, directly behind my kneecap. So right in the, in the, um the pivot right in the joint there right behind my knee that isn't the most comfortable piece for sure but um it holds my leg into those knee braces when i when i really extend i have the tendency my legs have the tendency to hyper extend like if i'm standing straight up and really push Mm. i can kind of get an arc there and that might be the reason that i've blown my knees out so much was but, that um, something you have before this, or you probably didn't really notice the look before you did the very first ACL, but that might be, yeah, might, like you said, might explain part of why you've done all this, but. Yeah, no, I think I did. I have really lax um, joints and ligaments and things. I, I really feel like I can um, 
really, you know, I'm really flexible and, and things like that. So, yeah, okay. uh, yeah. so, so I have my braces, I got the biggest stops on the side. So I, I, I don't know what the degree is exactly, but it's, it's pretty big. I can't straighten my leg all the way intentionally. Yep. And then I have that, that strap behind my knee to really, when I get to that lockout point, my kneecap and that area isn't going to back out of the brace and straighten anyway on force, yeah, you know? Yep. Yep. Yeah. It's it really, really tight in there. So you must tighten this up like super tight. I gather when you're putting these on. Uh, yeah. I mean, you don't want to go too tight because then it'll pinch you and stuff, but yeah. just having, having all those straps and having the braces made for me like that, it, it really helps stabilize everything down there. Mm. so do you like so now like now when you put your foot out right like you say you catch your foot on the ground like it slaps down in the middle of a corner because the bike sort of slips out a little bit do you notice the brace then actually like grabbing your leg or like you feel that the you know that tibia stop point at the front there that the acl cable that you said do you feel it like push into you more at times because you feel like your leg does shift that way or or do you even notice it now like Honestly, I don't notice it now. At first, when I started riding, I kind of felt like, you know, you kind of notice you can't completely go straight leg as much as you maybe want to. But after doing riding with them for so long, it's it's supernatural now. And um, and just having all that reinforcement in that area, it just keeps my leg from getting in that dangerous position of getting completely straight. Because I feel like whenever the leg is completely straight and I load it wrong, that's when my knee is going to pop out or do something weird or tear my ACL. Like everything, every single crash that I've had that I've done at ACL. Yeah. It's my leg is usually it's, it's straight and it gets torqued weird. And these braces just keep me from getting completely to that point. So they, they just help a ton. And it, it does, it's not like it still can happen. Like when I crashed in Anaheim three, just the way I fell, my leg was torqued weird. And even with all that stuff, I still popped my knee out for a split second. It goes right back in, but it swells up after that. Yeah. And it's rare. That's, that's super rare for me. Now. Like that's only happened a couple of times since I had all this made. So, mm. and it's usually something bad like that. So it's, it's a big help for me for sure. Yeah, definitely. Like I think with any brand of brace, even just the, the ones you can buy off the shelf, they always say that like they're never, they're never foolproof. You can still injure yourself wearing them. And that's a hundred percent accurate because you know, they, there's, there's either that little bit of difference in the size to your leg, to the size of the brace. that's not tight enough, or you just slip inside of it ever so slightly. And you only need a couple of, couple of millimeters of movement between you, your skin and the brace and, and the sock or whatever you've got between it. And that's enough to sort of do something at some time. So like, even with all that extra stuff that you've, you've got in place there, it'd still slip to some degree. I expect on like the knee brace sock, even, or even just your skin would, would move just enough around there. So yeah, you're still going to get it, catch it at some point. Cause like, you know, the, those weird angle crashes when your toe gets caught and just twists around, that's probably when it's going to be most likely to, to do it too. So. Yeah. And I, I really believe like I have, CTI like a custom CTI knee brace is the most protection you can have on a dirt bike and the most comfortable and solid thing you can have and I I still have done stuff and I mean I think it could have been worse with other braces or more you know if I was just running if I was going to try and ride right now and I just was wearing some knee pads or something like I can't just because I don't have an ACL like I can't do that so I need these to be able to function really you know normal 
Well, it's it's pretty impressive that you've got those braces and like that you know, you don't have an ACL in a knee that you've had repaired twice, three times, whatever it is before, and and you you new road as well as you have. You're like you know it wasn't the reason that caused you to crash or anything like that. It was you you know you wouldn't know from the outside that you didn't have it. So and that's what a lot of people don't really understand when they're looking from the outside that a lot of these guys potentially don't have ACLs and you don't know what they're doing under the, the the pants you know as such to 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 manage that to to get through it so yeah it's 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 impressive that it's doing what it is for you especially after so many acl issues for you yeah and i feel like everyone's different with acls i just feel like some people can can deal with it and never know a difference like i know some guys racing now who don't have them who like you'd never know but it doesn't really bother them and they don't need all this crazy stuff. But then I know like my dad, when he raced back in the day, he tried to ride without an ACL and he he couldn't even do it. It would pop out on him all the time. So I feel like I'm kind of in the middle a little bit. Like, I feel like I, I can kind of function without it, but I definitely need the help from the braces I got. And, uh, and they're very, very beneficial for me. So yeah, yeah huge. definitely well so you mentioned too like you're doing some other rehab are you still doing like specific things to to stabilize the knee in the gym so that you you know because a lot of the time now it's using your hamstrings as a break to stop rather than relying on the acl because you don't have one so you have to train your ac your, your hamstrings to sort of take up the slack i guess you'd say for for the for the acl not being there are you still doing those things to sort of manage it because that will sort of go hand in hand with then the braces doing a good job too yeah for sure so my trainer daniel laub he he works with me on everything in the gym and he obviously knows everything that's going on with me so he works to incorporate lots of hamstring, uh, just lots of overall leg building. Um, like actually today I was doing like things like step ups and hamstring curls and just all sorts of leg exercises just at my house, just because like with that crash, you know, my knee swelled up and I had to give it some time, let the swelling go down. And now I got to kind of rebuild and being in the gym and doing those leg exercises kind of re make my knee like feel stable again. Like yeah, when definitely. I had to let that swelling go down for two weeks and not really do anything with it that whole time, you know, it doesn't feel that great. Like no, it's even today, again. like <laughs> it's feeling a little sloppy, but yeah. being in the gym and doing those things, like it's huge how, I mean, I, I'm hoping at least <laughs> it always has, like, it feels better when I'm, yeah, when I start getting some weight behind it and start pushing some weight, things like that. So, yeah, well, the muscles just build up and they just, they come into their own to control everything. So yeah, you will feel much better. So is there anything then, anything that you just go, no, that's a no from me. I, I can't do that now. Like because of the knees, is there anything you don't do? Um, I haven't gone skiing or snowboarding or anything that scares me a little bit. Probably a good uh, idea. Actually, that one's a bit, probably a big no, no, cause <laughs> your feet being strapped onto like a, on a, onto the snowboard is a fantastic way of just stuffing them even more. So yeah, probably stay with that one. Yeah. Don't do it. Yep. <laughs> what else? Yeah. But honestly, like I live a pretty like normal feeling life. Um, especially when I get them feeling really stable again and get back in the gym, like everything I do, I, I, I can run, I can you know, do all the normal things that I've always done, even without knee braces on, uh, just riding dirt bikes, obviously like the, the CTI knee braces are huge just for as preventative, but, yeah, um, like just, I can run, I can play basketball. I can do stuff. I may be a little more careful on like, you know, if I had to cut or something or yeah. juke or do something where I'm planting, yeah. but, uh, 
you know, I don't really do that. I golf and ride dirt bikes and mountain bike and cycle, and I don't yeah. need to do any of that stuff. So I'm yeah. okay. So so. Those things, you're not doing that sort of pivot shift under load. So yeah, the basketball, when you said the basketball, that one's sort of like, oh, hold on. But yeah, like that one's probably the, probably the most dangerous. But if you do it with all of these things, if you do it in a bit of more of a slowed, controlled manner, you can avoid those, those moments most of the time. So yeah, it should be fine. So, um, so where, where does this knee, like, obviously you're probably going to have to use these very custom braces from CTI for the rest of the time that you're, you're riding, racing, whatever it is with, with, with motorcycles in the, in the, into the future forever almost. But what have they then said to you? Like, is there a plan to fix this or, or are you just going to leave it for as long as you can? Um, you know, like, I don't know. I, <laughs> I don't, I don't really feel like I, am dying like i'm not like oh i wish i had an acl all the time like i feel like i've gotten pretty like normal with this especially when i'm in the groove of training and and riding and doing my my routine um i'm i'm never like you know it's not one of those things where i'm at the race thinking about my leg like it's and that's what you want obviously when you're coming back from an injury you don't want to be like thinking about it and worried about it like and i'm not so that's um really big for me I was worried at first, like, you know, when I first started trying to ride again, I was like, Oh no, this isn't going to work. I'm going to be freaking out about my knee and all this stuff. But, um, you know, I've gotten confidence in it and over time I've just lapsed and doing my thing. Like I've, I've learned to trust it and, uh, yeah. And the knee braces are, are a huge part of that, but, uh, I feel pretty good. So if I don't like, you know, I don't really feel like hinders me that much in normal life maybe one like maybe when i'm done racing and i'm like if if i really feel like it's starting to give me issues or cause pain or something or yeah, yeah. prevent me from doing something i could but i mean it's not like i'm all over the place like you'd never know i didn't have an acl if you didn't know you know so yeah exactly so well that's that's good like yeah and obviously if you don't don't tweak it too bad while you're racing you hopefully can just keep things as they are and and yeah like you said if it worries you later in life when you're 40 50 whatever yeah fix it then sort of thing that'd be ideal so yeah yeah exactly so um on the braces are you running exactly the same setup right to left now or have you got different things for different legs given that you've had different issues like similar but different issues at different times and obviously one's going to be probably a bit stronger than the other i would say so uh yeah well uh, my braces, I have them make them identical. So all the same ACL cable, all the same stops, all the same straps and length and everything. I have yep. it the exact same on both sides, just because I don't want to, you know, be standing up on a dirt bike down a straightaway and one of my legs is straighter than the other or something <laughs> weird. You know, I, I just tried to keep it identical and I've just gotten used to it. And yeah, now I got super gnarly braces on both legs so i'm good <laughs> fair enough you might it might make for some weird photos if one leg's bent and one leg's completely straight so yeah yeah <laughs> might explain that one be hard no that's that's <laughs> cool so um well yeah i guess the, the it'd be interesting to know if if anybody else could get these i might have to check in with the cti guys at some point and um see if we can find out what you've had like what they've done to them if they do that for everybody or if it's only a sort of you know special cti athlete sort of thing because that's it's really cool that they've been able to do that for you and keep you on track yeah absolutely and i mean i'm sure if you if you're getting custom ctis i'm sure they can do it like they're already making them custom for you and for your legs so i don't see why they couldn't um they 
you know, they have whenever I send my braces in to get refurbished or fixed or anything, they always have the parts. So I don't see why they couldn't put it on a custom pair if, if that's what you need. Yeah. And definitely. I really think it's it's a big deal for, you know, when before when I did my knee, I was like starving for information on what people were doing to manage that. So I think it's really good to look into CTI and see if they can do do that because it's it's a really it's a huge difference for me so yeah definitely and like you said it's been let you keep racing so without an acl and one one leg so that's that's awesome yeah no awesome oh good man um look i think that that covers everything that we're going to speak to you today man um like i said it was a bit of a bummer that we had to um you know change tact and talk about the broken arm after that a3 crash but you know glad it seems to be going okay and it's you're on the men so that's good um, hopefully you can get back and do those last couple of um super cross rounds it'd be really cool to try and put some more of that training and effort that you've popped into into the season so far and you know finish it off so have to see how you go man yeah no i appreciate you uh giving me the call and yeah thanks i hope to get back as soon as i can back on the track and get back to doing well yeah we'll do we'll do thank you for coming on man um so. yeah we'll we'll catch you at the next next race when we when you when you're there Awesome. Sounds good. Thank you so much. Thanks, mate. All right, guys, we're back on the Always Moto podcast uh, after that interview with Richard Taylor. Uh, like I said at beforehand, we got some information at, uh, about those CTI braces that we just want to share with you a bit further. So it was a great interview there. And look, I, I really enjoyed talking to Richard. He, he had some good insight onto his own injury and, and these braces. And, and I think there's more to these braces than I realized even myself. Like I, obviously I use braces just knowing the, the risk that there is out there with the, with, with riding moto. Um, it's obviously, you know, it comes up quite often that there's, there's issues with people's knees and just feel, I just feel safer when I'm wearing them. Yes. They're bulky. Yes. They're a bit cumbersome. Um, and look, they're not always going to prevent, uh, even ACL injuries like people believe they can, I understand that there's limitations on these things, but I still feel better in them. And I think being a, um, you know, a bit more of an average Joe these days, um, <laughs> not being a professional athlete, obviously got to get to the day job on a Monday. Uh, I just feel it's a better option for me to have them on than not. So, but in terms of these CTIs, now Richard went through it. He's got a fair few different um, adjustments to them, and we've we've got this information from Brett from CTI. Um, so Brett was able to tell us a little bit that as to why the so Richard mentioned that his knee brace is a little bit longer than st than the standard ones and and Brett's told us that the the lower section so the bit that goes on your your lower leg your tibia it's actually an inch longer for Richard and the bit that goes up on his femur is actually half an inch longer. Now what that's going to do is actually improve the um, leverage um, support of the knee for it so obviously the longer the the piece the better the the, the less how do we want to put that right right around so it's the less you get, longer longer support base makes uh, an improved stability at the knee joint for it so that's why they've made those a little bit longer for richard richard was also a taller guy in general but uh, so they've gone longer again for him. Now that what that's going to mean is that it, the brace sits a bit higher up your femur and a bit lower down your tibia, and which means it'll sit lower into your boot. So for a lot of guys that might be a little bit uncomfortable or awkward with your boots, but into terms for Richard with no ACL and no way of sort of riding without it, you work around these things, and that's what he's doing. 
Now, the next bit that he's mentioned on here is that he's also got this ACL cable system uh, and a tibia, what's it called here? A tibia, a tibia um, support stop or pad as well. So this actually, it's a design to basically have that uh, pad grab onto the top of the tibia and the cable then goes around through another strap on the back of the of the brace and actually then allows you to tighten that onto that part of it so that when you get into that flexion it's going to less likely to let your tibia slide forward which is the issue that you have when you uh, tear an ACL is that tibia is shifting forwards and usually on a twisted angle as well with your toes sort of pointing out to the side is usually how it happens so this is just another way of trying to help hold the knee together that isn't something that normally would be on everybody's braces. Reason for that too, again, it's another point that is in contact with your leg uh, and another strap on the back. So most of these braces from standard will only have like a four strap system. Um, Richard's, by the sounds of it, has five, maybe even six if I'm reading this correctly, um, which you know makes this thing a lot more bulky at the back of his leg. Um, and it would be just generally if there's not like I said if you not don't have these injuries issues that need you to have these things you might not actually want them but um, it, there is there are reasons to the to the to the why they've got them on there for, for Richard in this case now he also talked about uh, Richard also talked about that he's got a very big extension stop in the brace uh, and he actually has a 30 to 40 degree block in the brace to stop him getting to fully straight in his leg now normally when we measure these things in a clinic or from a physio point of view zero is considered leg straight right so your legs completely straight your knees extended all the way we consider that zero to get into hyperextension, we start calling that negative five negative ten right so the legs actually going the wrong way um, and these blocks that they use for the for the braces to prevent the brace allowing you going into those points um, they've got a black one that goes 0 to 10, a, a, a dark gray that goes 10 to 20, a medium gray that goes 20 to 30, and the light gray, which Richard's using, is that 30 to 40. Now, 30 to 40 degrees is a massive block. That's not, you're basically always in a squatted position when you are standing upright. There is no way you're getting that leg to be straight. Uh, and that's when then also with Richard's braces, that he's, they've coupled that cable, that ACL cable around the back of the, the midline of the knee joint um, so that extra strap to prevent the hyperextension so they're trying to pull the middle of the knee which is if you just feel that soft spot in the back of your knee as we're talking that's where that middle point is so you, as you bend your knee it goes right in and it goes nice and soft that's where that brace that extra strap is going to go and that's being pulled tight to hold you into the brace as you're moving uh, into the squat and as you stand up it prevents the brace from actually moving away from your leg as you're going into extension so that those um, those extension blocks actually can do their job but like I said he's going to be basically in a squatted position the whole time so whilst you're riding that's probably nice and comfortable but for anybody you know normal Joe Blow when you're walking around the pits you know between motos uh, at your local club day that 20 to 30 degree block is going to feel like shit really when you're trying to walk around in a pit situation. So um, it's not something you want to be having, um, you know, just for a wandering around sort of scenario. But when you're on the bike and you have an ACL issue or no ACL like Richard's, um, that would be a fantastic idea to prevent you from getting to the point of risk of further injury. 
particularly because you don't want to, when you get into that fully extended range in that zero sort of range, you're loading up more of those joint linings inside and potentially catching meniscus and all that sort of stuff. So, and we start then risking, you know, um, PCL and MCL and LCL ligaments as well. So, you know, there's, there's reason to these things that they're doing here. What else have we got now? Oh, so, so there's also some other customizations that they can do to these braces that Brett mentioned to me in this email. And that's talking about that they have um, flared the upper section of the brace to allow for guys with bigger quads. Um, so they've actually made ones where they flare out a bit wider than normal um, to allow for guys with big quad muscles. Uh, which is a nice little thing, um, but also probably depending on the person and the body size might also might also not also be necessary. But keep in mind, all of these things that they've done here with the extra extra straps on the back, the extra cable and the, the pad on the tibia, the bigger block in the extension, they're all, all really doing stuff to try and support that or lack of ACL for Richard, which, you know, if you don't have one, this might be worthwhile for yourself but they're all going to add weight to the brace. So you're not going to get that nice, you know, light carbon fibery sort of, you know, fancy looking thing. It's going to be a bit more bulkier and a bit heavier and, and, you know, obviously take up a little bit more room in the pants as well and potentially the top of your boots. So these are all things that you're going to have to consider. If you need to do this, you might need to look into different sizes for your pants and boots, depending on how this all fits with all the rest of your gear. Um, but it's fantastic that they're able to do this. Um, which is which is awesome and by the sounds of it there's even more modifications that they can do uh, and brett said to me that it's a bit hard to explain that in an email but that's why we suggested we'll try and organize a call where we go through some of these things with brett um, about what they can do on these braces for moto guys potentially with dodgy knees whether they don't have acls or you know partially torn acl or they've got some other issues going on what they can actually do to make your you know, you still be able to get out and go for a ride, um, which would be awesome to hear that conversation. Now, the main thing that we wanted to say is that these things, because we weren't sure when we were talking to Richard, because he's a CTI athlete, we weren't sure if these modifications were available to the public, but it sounds like these are available to anyone if they need them. So basically, the idea here is, guys, that if you have a dodgy knee, and listening to some of this information from this interview with Richard, or this stuff that we've just talked about that Brett sent through, if you think that you might want to do something a bit more to your knee braces than what you currently have, get in touch with these guys at CTI. They sound like they can basically do just about whatever you need to make it so that there's the it's the best case scenario for you to keep riding and prevent any further damage. You're never going to stop everything. Keep that in mind, guys. You're never going to stop everything. You can fall off in such a way in the, with a moto that you can twist and tweak just about anything. But these are going to give you the best protection possible by the sounds of what these things that they can do to try and keep your knee in a brace as tightly and as snugly as you can without cutting off blood flow, without making it so that you can't use the leg, but making it so that you can be still functionally capable of riding at a high level. And look, Richard's a prime example of that. He's made main events wearing these knee braces. So he was still capable, even with these limitations on how far he could straighten his leg, the extra strap behind the knee and the extra cable there for the ACL, it hasn't slowed him down. He's been able to adapt his riding and he even said that he's got the same setup from his bad knee 
on his knee brace. He's got it on his on his other knee, which technically both of his knees aren't that great from the interview. But look, the one that has no ACL, he's got all these things done to it. He's made him identical to the other side that does have an ACL still. And he's still able to do what he's been doing um, at such a high level in pro moto and pro or pro supercross and soon to be pro pro moto when he's going to be riding that 450 like you mentioned for outdoors so look awesome uh awesome information there from these guys and like i said we'll try and get some more um a specific podcast from cti and from brett um in a few weeks time if we can work it out so it should be good all right guys that's the podcast for this week now as always if you're not following us on instagram why not well why not you've got to be following us to keep up to date we put out stuff that each week that we see as it comes to light uh it's always.moto on instagram we're on twitter as well similar handle can't remember exactly but if you type in always moto you'll find us Um, so follow both those accounts you'll see some information there that you might not uh, hear or read in our articles on fullnoise.com or on the podcast here if you want to support the podcast, if you're a business, if you're a brand in the industry that you want to support the podcast, get in touch. My email is always.moto, sorry, it's alwaysmoto2019 at gmail.com. Love to hear from you guys. We'd love to support. We'd love to promote your brand. But that's it for now, guys. Be smooth and be fast because if you're not, you'll be seeing us here in the emergency room and we'll be talking about you on the Always Moto podcast. Till next week, guys. Oh, and don't forget... Give us a rating on your podcast app, like us, follow us, subscribe, whatever it is that your app does, allows you to do. Leave us some feedback on there. If you give, if you can rate us, please do so. It will help us get a bit more traction and get some more listeners out there. So, And it will make it mean that we keep putting out more content for you guys. So do that for us. It'll be a nice favor from, for, for me, from you, uh, and we'll look favorably upon it, even though we probably won't know who you are. But thank you for doing it. That's what we want. We just need some more input from you guys. So feel free to get in touch about any content you want us to talk about on the show as well. Peace, guys. We're out.